Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It may seem peculiar, the passages that were chosen for today. I wonder why in the midst of Advent, we first of all had four verses and ending in a gospel where Jesus stretches out his arms and breathes his last. Very peculiar. I'll return to that. In the Lutheran Church, we have a particular theology called the priesthood of all believers. And this particular theology is a little bit misunderstood sometimes. Uh, As laymen, as I am a layman also, we continue to think, oh, the priesthood of all believers, this is where I get to be exalted a little bit. This is where I get the chance to um, be Jesus for the person next to me. And that's true. We are Jesus for the person next to us. But this sort of thought of elevation is often misunderstood. I'll come back to that also. In the Old Testament, when the priest was spoken of, the priest was particularly a gateway to God. The common man couldn't come to God. God was too big to be received or understood by the common person. So the priest was there as an intermediary in order to offer petitions and confession and in order to uh, provide absolution and forgiveness as God would do that in those moments. And so the priest was the person that you would go to in order to find access to God. Now in our New Testament, and as we understand and as he has revealed himself to us today, Jesus came to be that for us. God still today is too big for us to come to him on our own which is why he sent Jesus in order for us to come and to see him and to offer our petitions of confession and receive forgiveness. It is a wonderful thing that he came to do this. So as I look at that, this makes more sense as to why some of these passages were chosen for today. And I'd like to run through them a little bit as we are talking about that. So in our Exodus passage, God instructs Moses to make an anointing oil and to anoint Aaron and his sons in the priesthood. And this moment is when they, are become, they receive the gift of being able to be priests and intercede for the people at that time. Then we moved on to 1 Samuel where Eli is told, your sons will both die this same day and God makes a promise when he says, I will raise for myself a faithful priest and everyone will come and bow before him. So he's shining the light on what is to come, the one who is going to be the main primary forever one and done priest. Then we went to our Hebrews passage 
Don't know if you caught it. He says, no one does this for himself. No one comes in and says, I want to be priest and I will make myself priest. No, rather, he receives this when he is called by God to be put in that kind of position. So Christ himself did not even take this on himself. He was given this role to be priest by God. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, it reads in Hebrews, and once made perfect, that is, once the suffering was complete, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So now we see that he is established as priest. And then he carries it out in our Luke passage. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now the significance of that moment of the curtain tearing in two is often overlooked because it comes so quickly. The curtain was the one thing that protected the people from being in the presence of an almighty God, a God too big and too glorious for them to be able to see or receive. In fact, it states many times in the Old Testament that they were afraid when they heard God's voice or came close to his presence. So that curtain being torn gave a great example and showed how Christ now gave the people direct access to God as Jesus himself is God. So then he calls out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. So this is where the completion comes. This is where the suffering is made perfect. With God dying on the cross for us. And this word, the made perfect word, to tell us die, is actually what is said when Jesus stretches out his arms and says, it is finished. So he submitted to his father and he submitted to death. He was a servant to God. He was a servant to us to do this. And he actually allowed himself to be mastered by death for a time and then finally conquered it. Is this what it means to be a priest? To be a servant? To be underneath everyone and to serve and to be defeated? Does being a priest mean that I have to be a servant for the rest of my life? I have a dear friend who is a, my mechanic actually, and he uh, allowed me to come across this particular um, article by a man named Mitch Album. Now I bring this up. Um, Mitch was a writer from Detroit, Michigan, which is the region from where I'm from. I'm from Dearborn, actually, but my dad, who was a, a preacher in, in Michigan, really liked Mitch Album. Uh, so Mitch has a little soft spot for me in my heart. Um, he, so he was a, a writer for the newspaper, and in 2015, he adopted a little girl at the age of five, and um, she was diagnosed with, I had never heard this, diffusive intrinsic pontine glioma. Now, I don't know what that means, but I can only handle about one word in my diagnosis for me, and that's four. But the truth of the matter is, this is a terminal illness. So Rich 
is putting a, um, I'm sorry, Mitch is putting together a particular book which he plans to publish at the end of 2019. And in it, I would love to read for you a snippet from here. He is reflecting on her, his daughter, who was around the age of five, or I think about seven when she passed. And uh, he's writing to her, figuratively, remembering his joy and love for her when she was here on earth. He says, when I was younger, I was afraid of being a father. I saw how it ate up the hours. I worried that I wouldn't give it the proper time and wind up being a bad dad. Also, to be totally honest, I thought it would hinder my career. I was advancing fast and wanted to keep up that pace. Ambition is not something I ever warned you about, Chica, he calls her. But I have learned it can overtake you gradually, like clouds moving across the sun, until consumed by pursuing it, you get used to a dimmer existence. When Janine and I married, she knew all of this, but she believed in a better version of me, a more generous one, and I wanted to live up to that. Still, hoarding time becomes a habit. I remember once when we were trying to have children, I raised the idea of hiring an au pair to take care of them. Janine rejected it. She got angry, actually, which she rarely did. I wondered why she wouldn't welcome the help, blind to the hurt that her husband was already planning time away from a baby we didn't have. And he speaks. He says, I was foolish in many ways, Chica, when I look back on things. And he reflects on some, of, for after this point, he reflects on some of the things that were important to her, like choosing the difference between red socks or blue socks or the colorful blankets that were on her bed. We lost you to the brain tumor, even though the doctors had predicted you would live only four or five months. The three of us had traveled the world looking for a cure. In time, you lost the ability to walk and I had to carry you from place to place. Once, when I had to go to work, you protested, insisting that I stay and play. I can't, Chica, I said. This is my job. You crossed your arms. No, it's not, you said. Your job is carrying me. Of course, you were right, he says. We were all here. We are all here to carry our children. It is an honorable and often magnificent weight, no matter when in life a person is chosen to bear it. And that's from his book, which will be released later this year. This story has a lot to say, this true story. He put his career above his family. He put his career above the person that he was put here to serve, to be a father to, and he regretted it greatly. When we think of being a servant as Christ was a servant, we realize not one of us can do that at all. We have to look at ourselves honestly. I have to look at myself honestly. I let all kinds of things get in the way of being the kind of servant I am supposed to be for my children, for my wife, for other family members, for those I'm to protect, to care for, to serve. 
I put off time with my kids in order to take care of life. I don't want to look at myself honestly. But what happens now? Who can come to rescue us from our shortcomings? Your words make me want to believe. They make me want to believe that you're here, that you are here to take care of us. It feels good to be understood and heard by someone who's been through pain. But then I realize that the pain I've been through couldn't compare every time I look and see you hanging there. We owe all things to the one who broke those chains. We owe all things to the one who gave his life who became a servant, that even his own breath he did not value more than our lives. And when he broke those bounds, when he broke those chains and he came back, he brought life to us and the suffering was over for him and he lives even now. And as we received forgiveness today, we are united with him now and forever. So we praise him for being the servant We praise him for all he did for us. For us here at Epiphany, we're looking for a new pastor. And we look to those who have mastery of the biblical text. We look for those who understand the word so well and have command of it. But really, a true master of the text would know that he can never be a master of the text. There is no mastering of the text. This goal is not achievable. The only thing that we can be master of is being mastered by the text. A true master can only teach you how to live under the mastery of the text given to us by our good Lord. Christ came and saved us from death. And this now we understand as being the priesthood of all believers is not something to be exalted, is not something to triumph around or proceed with a fanfare, but rather it is a priesthood of servanthood. And God calls us to be this to each other and to those around us in this place. All praise and honor and glory be to God who has done this for us. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.